the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. Uh, Alan Dempsey, our engineer, gets us on the air each weekend. Andrew Hurdliska produces the show. And Don Everts joins us in this first segment. He's a writer for the Lutheran, Lutheran Hour Ministries, also an associate pastor in St. Louis. His book is out. It's called The Reluctant Witness, Discovering the Delight of Spiritual Conversations. Well, Don, welcome. Thanks a million for joining me, and I hope you're doing well. Well, thank you, Pat. I'm doing well, and glad to talk with you today. Uh, Why this book? Well, this book, uh, the core reason is that over the course of my life, uh, God has moved me from being a very reluctant, uh, quiet person who didn't want to have a lot of conversations with other people, let alone conversations about Jesus, to a place where I actually enjoy it. And uh, that transformation in my own life, combined with getting to work with the Barna Group on some research about how the Church is doing when it comes to spiritual conversations, uh, made me really excited to dive into what the Bible has to say and bring that out to the Church. Your introduction is called, Are My Feet Beautiful? Question uh, mark. What's, what's that mean? Yeah, you know, Paul, when he was writing to the church in Rome, and he was talking about how anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved, and then he walks through the logic, but how are they supposed to, you know, believe in someone, uh, call on someone they don't believe in? How are they supposed to believe in someone they haven't heard of? And then he eventually gets to, how are they supposed to hear unless people are talking about Jesus? And then he quotes from Isaiah, where the prophet says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Which, of course, is not a comment on the beauty of their literal feet, but there's something beautiful about our readiness, our mobility, our willingness to talk about Jesus. And, and, And it turns out this is a theme throughout the Scripture, that it is actually a beautiful thing, not just good and right, but actually beautiful and delightful, to share about our faith with other people. And so the introduction is, are my feet beautiful? You know, when I, take a, when I take a look in the mirror and I evaluate my own spiritual conversations, are they delightful? Am I experiencing this, uh, this delightful thing that Scripture holds out to me? Or uh, does the cat have my tongue? And so that's what that question is meant to help people wrestle with. Well, let's dive in because there are five important topics. The first one is reluctant conversationalists getting honest about the state of our witness. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, so uh, one of the features of the early church that we see in the book of Acts is that they are regularly evaluating the state of their witness. They're they're regularly evaluating how are we doing it, talking about Jesus, and what's the fruit of that? Are, Are people hearing about Jesus? Are they coming to faith? Are lives being changed? And so it's important that we also get honest about the state of our witness, especially in light of uh, the latest research. One of the findings when we worked with the Barna Group last year, uh, one of the major findings, uh, and it's pretty sobering, but there's lots of good news coming too, (laughs) but one of the sobering findings is that three-quarters of all Christians in the United States are having nine or fewer spiritual conversations a year. And that's not evangelistic conversations. Uh, It's broader than that. It's any conversation that you have with anyone about your faith or your lack of faith. That that was the definition that we used. And and, and three-quarters of of all believers, Pat, in this country are having nine or fewer conversations about their faith with anyone, with a spouse, with a child, with their pastor, with a small group, with a co-worker, that's about one every month and a half. And 
so the reality is when the church today in aggregate looks in the mirror, uh, we have to face up to the fact that we're not talking a lot about our faith. A third of, a third of all Christians, this is sobering, only had one or two spiritual conversations in the last year. Nine percent of all Christians, so almost a tithe of all Christians in this country, uh, reported having zero spiritual conversations in the last year. So, so it begins, and it's important that we look in the mirror and kind of evaluate, hey, how are we doing uh, at talking about our faith? And it turns out that over the last 25 years, uh, the cat's really gotten our tongue, and we've, the church has grown more quiet than it, than it has been in the past. Why we stop talking. That's topic number two, Don. Mm-hmm. Meeting the postmodern yeah. cat that's got our tongues. Yeah, that's right. So uh, when we look at the fact that we have grown more quiet, we have to reckon with why is that? What has changed in the last 25 years? And uh, the research reveals a lot of this to us. Uh, and, and I think it's, it, to summarize how Paul, when he was writing to young Timothy, he encouraged him, preach the gospel in season and out of season, implying that there are going to be different seasons. There are going to be seasons when the gospel when, uh, is in season, when, when people are accepting of Jesus and, and there's a lot of social coin that comes with the gospel. And then there are going to be seasons when the gospel is, is out of season. And what we've seen in the last 25 years uh, is a move from Christianity being uh, really mainstream, really threaded into the uh, at least the perception of people in our country, and it's been more marginalized. It's less in season than it used to be. And one of the, 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 the main reason that people gave us for why they don't have more spiritual conversations is fear specifically fear of offense. And so we've grown quiet because we are afraid. Uh, this is, there are a number of reasons why we've grown quiet, but the, the largest reason is that we perceive that we may cause conflict or offense if we talk about our faith. Uh, now, there's good news, too. It turns out there's less to be afraid of than we fear, but that fear is real, Pat, and it's one of the reasons why Uh, people talk about their faith less. Let's move to topic number three. Delightful conversations, debunking five myths about spiritual conversations. Uh, I'm eager to hear about that one, Don. Yeah, so this is one of the fascinating things, because we did research uh, with Christians and with non-Christians, right, so the general population, to find out what, what are people's experiences like inside of spiritual conversations, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Christian, how do people experience conversations about faith? And, and, so, and this is some of the really good news, because part of our quiet and part of our fearfulness comes from perceptions or assumptions that we have about talking about our faith. And it turns out some of those are wrong. So, for example, um, we tend to assume, people tend to assume that evangelistic conversations in particular uh, happen in special places at really special times with special people, preferably a pastor, right? Well, it turns out that, that most spiritual conversations happen in everyday life, uh, and, and people's preferred... When, when we ask non-Christians, who would you prefer to talk to about spiritual matters? Uh, the overwhelming answer was a friend. People, people don't necessarily want to talk to religious professionals like me, <laughs> like pastors. People these days, they want to talk about faith issues with people they know, colleagues, friends, neighbors. And so that kind of lowers the, you know, when we, when we recognize, okay, I'm a regular person, I have friends, I can get involved in spiritual conversations. Another big myth uh, we have the perception, uh, uh, many people do, that evangelistic conversations are really serious and really sober and not necessarily fun. Uh, and it turns out that that's not the case. Uh, the, the two dominant emotions that people feel, the top two, and this is for Christians and non-Christians alike, when, when we ask them, think of your last spiritual conversation, what were the emotions that you experienced? The top two emotions were peace and laughter. 
and joy was right behind that. Number three, for Christians, they experience joy. And so it turns out, like, when we actually get over our fears, when we actually engage in spiritual conversations, that Paul and Isaiah were right. It, there's something delightful and beautiful about it, and people really experience that. So there's two examples of myths that we have that it turns out when we do the research and we, we do the interviews, uh, that spiritual conversations aren't as scary and crunchy and uncomfortable as we might imagine. Guest, uh, and we're talking about his book, The Reluctant Witness. His name, Don Everts, and he is in St. Louis. Back for more right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 990 AM and FM 101.5 The Word. My guest here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour is Don Everts. He's in St. Louis. His book is called The Reluctant Witness. Uh, Don, we've covered Reluctant Conversationalist, Why We Stop Talking, Delightful Conversations. Now we're at this one, Eager Conversationalist, Learning from Those Who Are Still Talking. Tell us about this one. Yeah, this is, this is where the research gets exciting uh, and, and hopeful for us, because the one quarter of all Christians who are still talking about their faith, uh, we became curious about them, and we went back into the research, uh, the researchers did, to say, do the one quarter of all Christians who are actually having lots of spiritual conversations, do they have anything in common with each other? Uh, and Because if they do, that becomes really interesting for us. And it can help the rest of us, because I'm, I'm a, a confessing, reluctant conversationalist, it can help the rest of us find our tongues. And, and the fascinating thing is, Pat, that we actually found that Eager conversationalists, that's what we call them, these people who are having lots of spiritual conversations, actually have five characteristics in common with each other that, that the data shows. And all five of them are things that anyone can grow in. They're, they're not, you know, they didn't find that the people who are still talking about their faith are all, you know, southern women uh, who are left-handed or something that, you know, you're just born with. They didn't find that. Uh, they found that they have five things in common, and, and we can learn from this. So, for, for example, the one quarter of all Christians uh, who are talking about their faith a lot, ha- they grasp their calling as a witness. So they have a self-perception that they are actually called by God to talk about their faith with their friends. Uh, and reluctant conversationalists are statistically less likely to believe that. Uh, and this has changed, Pat. So, so, for example, 25 years ago, we did a similar study. And uh, one of the things that folks were asked is, do you agree or disagree with this statement? Every Christian is responsible for sharing their faith with others. 25 years ago, uh, 89% of all Christians agreed with that, right? So most of us grasped our calling. Yeah, I'm, I'm called to share my faith. Last year, 25 years later, we did the research again, and only 64%, so it went from 89% of us to only 64%, just a a little better than a coin flip, of Christians believe that they are called. More people today believe that it's the church's responsibility to share Jesus with others, not mine. But with eager conversationalists, they... They're in the 64%. They, they grasp the calling. And so that tells us that understanding what God's Word says to us about our call as witnesses actually affects, us how, affects how often we talk about our faith. Or another example would be uh, that all the eager conversationalists are more likely to have orthodox biblical views about sin and salvation and the afterlife. And so if you believe what the Bible clearly teaches about heaven and hell, about sin and salvation and the cross of Jesus, if you believe that, you are more likely to have spiritual conversations. If you take kind of a universalist view, everyone gets into heaven, or a moralistic view, those who you know, do good deeds get into heaven. If you believe those unbiblical teachings, you are less likely to have spiritual conversations. Really fascinating findings, Pat, but what they tell us is we can actually learn from the eager conversationalists, how we can become more fit and more prepared for having spiritual conversations. 
Let's uh, move to topic number five, Don. Everyday conversations, exploring four simple conversational habits. Fill us in. Yeah, so this is where we, uh, because we asked everyone, how do you engage in spiritual conversations? When we cut the data and looked at the Christians who were still talking, right, these eager conversationalists, we found out that they had some habits uh, in common with each other. Again, things that we can all learn from. So, for example, eager conversationalists are more likely to have a, a real wide variety of ways that they talk about their faith. And, and we get the impression, it, it gives us the impression that eager conversationalists, they don't have like, you know, a memorized bit about their faith that they kind of burp out into the conversation whenever faith comes up. Mm-hmm. But rather, eager conversationalists, it, it, they kind of graciously adapt to the person they're talking to. Uh, and if the person they're talking to is unreceptive, then, then they, they just try to gain a hearing. They don't awkwardly try to bring Jesus up. They try to build trust with someone. If someone is receptive, they do try to bring Jesus up. So uh, it's this great model for us, Pat, that in our own lives, we don't have to you know, have a memorized bit to awkwardly bring up into a conversation, but rather uh, that we can graciously adapt to where people are. That's a, that's a habit that we can, we can all learn from. So we, we developed, here at Lutheran Hour, we developed this model called the Spiritual Conversation Curve, which is a basic way of helping people think about what's the spiritual posture of my friend, of my non-Christian friend. And given what their posture is, what are the kinds of conversations that are going to be more, most fruitful and natural for me to pursue with them? It's just to help us all become more like the eager conversationalists, to learn how to adapt to people where they are, to be, uh, as Peter wrote in his epistle, to be gentle and respectful uh, when we talk with people. How, how do we do that? Eager conversationalists have figured that out. So that's one habit uh, that we can learn from. Another is that eager conversationalists, gently push through awkward moments. And so they, uh, when they come to an awkward moment in an evangelistic conversation, they don't necessarily, you know, tuck their tail and run. Uh, but, but, but they gently persist just a little bit through the tension. And, and actually, it's interesting, Pat, because the research told us, uh, because our perception is, well, if, if you're talking about your faith with a non-Christian, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of conflict, and it's going to be uncomfortable. It'll ruin everything. Actually, that's not the case. The research tells us that conflict is very rare, but when conflict does come up, it actually doesn't move the needle on whether or not people enjoy the conversation. It doesn't ruin everything. So that's another habit that we can uh, glean from our eager conversationalist brothers and sisters. Tell me what you mean with your conclusion. It's all called back on the bus. Yeah. So I tell the somewhat embarrassing story in the introduction of I was on a Greyhound bus ride that was 16 hours long. And I was sitting next to a young lady, and for the first uh, 13 and a half hours of the bus ride, we didn't say a word to each other. We didn't say a word, Pat. And the, and the interesting thing was, and this is why this story sticks out to me, for, for that whole first hours of the bus ride, I was reading a book. While, while ignoring the person next to me. And it happened to be a book about, and you're not going to believe this, but it's unfortunately true, it was a book about evangelism. <laughs> I was reading about mm. how, how much God loves people and how he calls us into the joy of spiritual conversations for hours while ignoring the person next to me. So in the conclusion of the book, I tell the story of how with an hour and a half to go, I was convicted I, 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 I just, it, it was like God was saying, do you think I'm right that it's beautiful and delightful to talk to people? Put it to the test. And so I closed my book, I turned to the lady sitting next to me, and I said pretty awkwardly, hi. Huh. And she kind, of, she kind of jumped a little bit. You know, we'd been sitting next to each other for hours. I finally said hi. And she said hi, and I said, so are you coming or going? That's kind of my line. And it's interesting, Pat, I'll never forget this. That's all I said. And she looked up, and then she turned to me and she said, to be honest with you, I really don't know. Mm. 
And that led to an extraordinary conversation of her just, she, her life was an absolute mess. She was looking for hope. She wasn't sure if there was any hope left for her. And then I was able to talk about the kingdom of God, a place where I had found hope. And it's just really stuck with me, Pat, that in my reluctance, here I was sitting next to someone who was absolutely spiritually seeking, and I was ignoring her. And so it has become for me something of a parable and a reminder that we can learn from eager conversationalists. Even we reluctant conversationalists can close our books and turn and say hi more often, and who knows what God will do with those humble attempts on our part. Tell me more about the Barna Group. Yeah, the Barna Group is a Christian research organization that uh, is committed to doing scientifically accurate social research that helps the church better adapt to the changing times that we're in, right? Culture is changing so fast around us, and how do we as a church, it often leaves many of us scratching our heads, like, well, what used to work isn't working, and people aren't coming to church anymore. People aren't talking about their faith. What do we do about this? And the Barna Group is, rather than saying, well, you know, take a best guess and try stuff, (laughs) the Barna Group is saying, let's do careful, nationwide, statistically reliable research to actually find out and learn more about the cultural changes around us. And so at Lutheran Hour, we are working with them every year uh, we're, we're putting a quarter million dollars into new research every year so that we can understand our changing culture, both the culture around us and how Christians are changing, so that at Lutheran Hour we can equip Christians to not just survive but thrive uh, in our changing times. What does the Lutheran Hour mean? Yeah, the Lutheran Hour uh, is a uh, uh, 80-some-year-old radio show, uh, but it's actually the name of a 102-year-old evangelism ministry. It's, it's, a weird, it's weirdly named, I, I will confess. <laughs> um, it's named after the famous radio show, uh, but it is a, it's a lay-led evangelistic organization that it, that's whole mission for over 100 years has been to bring Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. And through our various ministries, including the books I'm writing and, and all that, uh, we're, we're reaching uh, well over 125 million people a week uh, with the gospel of Jesus. And so it, it is in an age when a lot of Christians feel like, you know, uh, it's an uphill battle. Uh, clearly it is an uphill battle, but the Lutheran Hour uh, ministry uh, we, we have uh, 34, I believe it is, ministry centers operating in over 50 countries around the world, bringing the gospel to people. And so it's a real honor uh, to get to work as a writer and a thought leader uh, in an organization like this. Are you a Martin Luther fan? Sure. Are you? Uh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Um, I, I read about him. I've I've studied yeah. him as best I can, uh, but I'm kind of curious, uh, is he still a, a vital part of uh, the life of the average Lutheran today? Well, I would say that, that Luther's spirit is, in, in, in the sense of Luther really, uh, in an age of kind of, mm, kind of stiff traditions, uh, Luther really ch- called the Church back to the core of the Gospel, and back to the Bible, you know, and did the radical thing of translating the Bible into the language people spoke uh, and read in his day. And, and, and so I would say that spirit of uh, remaining centralized on the gospel uh, and being people of the Word of God who read and study the Word of God, I, I would definitely say that, that those virtues of Luther, that, that spirit of the Reformation uh, continues to live on not just in the Lutheran Church specifically, but in every Protestant uh, denomination as well. In closing, I need a challenge to our listeners on what we've talked about here, Don. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What, what I would challenge people to do uh, is to figure out and reflect on how many spiritual conversations they have had. Are, would they say they're eager or reluctant? 
And then to pray about that and ask God, God, do you want me to be having more spiritual conversations uh, with the people around me? Uh, just that one step. It turned out to be a really healthy thing for the early church to just look in the mirror from time to time. And so that's what I would encourage folks. Just look in the mirror. And if, and if they feel, you know what, I, I, I think I want to have more beautiful feet. <laughs> I, I think I want to uh, engage in more spiritual conversations. Uh, they can look up at, uh, at Lutheran Hour's website, lhm.org. We have lots of resources to equip people who want to start talking about their faith more. My guest, Don Everts, his book, The Reluctant Witness. We've got more after this. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. We'll be right back. Don Everts, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, The Reluctant Witness. Laurie Stern, here in Orlando, executive director of Bethany Christian Services. She's our guest. Laurie, welcome. I hope you're doing well. Thank you, Pat. It is an absolute pleasure to be your guest today, and I'm looking forward to sharing more with you about the Bethany Christian Services program. Well, let's dive right in. What is the Bethany Christian Services program? Sure. So Bethany Christian Services began in 1944. We've actually been around for 75 years. This year, actually, is the 75th anniversary, and we we started because of two women that wanted to love on children. They they wanted to love children and establish Christian residence for homeless children up in Grand Rapids. And from the dreams of two young women that wanted to prevent deaths for children, wanted to love children, open their homes for orphans, we started into this amazing national social service agency that we are today. Bethany Christian Services in 30 different states, and here locally in Central Florida, we we have the blessing to be in in seven different. We have seven different programs in Central Florida, which is pretty amazing. And I think the the best part of Bethany Christian Services is really the fact that they believe that the family changes everything. That with family, with love, with hope, that children and families have a future. And we spread the love of Jesus Christ in the midst of that as well. So it's a pretty phenomenal program that that's and, and locally in Central Florida we've been here for twenty years. Laurie, you've got to respond to this staggering fact. Today, a hundred and forty million kids don't have a permanent home. Uh, boy, that seems unaccept unacceptable. Can you expand on that? Oh gosh, it is. It, it's so sad that there's so many individuals in the world, and yet there's so much. There's so many children that are languishing in the, the foster care system or lingering, looking for that forever family through adoption. And that's really where Bethany comes alongside families. We recognize that, that families, families need a village. That we, we know that having connectivity to individuals can, can save children, can really prevent children from even entering the number that you gave of the, the amount of children that are waiting for those forever homes. What if some of those could have been prevented? What if something could have prevented those kids from entering foster care? And the best part of Bethany is that we have a program that helps to prevent foster care and helps to prevent and strengthen families in the same time. Um, so we're hopeful that as we continue with our, our programming that we're going to see that number decrease and we're going to see families step up and, and especially churches, especially local churches, to step up and know that there's this staggering need families, and we can meet that need together. Uh, tell me how the organization got started here in Central Florida 20 years ago. Uh, what happened, and who, who were the key people? Yeah, so it's in, in Florida, The what we kind of started as Bethany Christian Services was an adoption organization, and I think when people hear Bethany Christian Services, they immediately think adoption, and that would include the, the roots of Florida. We started as an adoption organization of walking beside moms that were facing unplanned pregnancies and really walking beside them and letting them know of choices, um, letting them know that there's other, that they can parent and helping them through the parenting struggles or the concerns of parenting, uh, letting them know that they, if they are looking at adoption, letting them know that that's 
we can help them with that. We can help and walk beside them and let them know that there's families that they choose and they can still be involved in. And we really started in that, that grassroots effort of looking at adoption and providing those adoption services. Our pregnancy counseling is 100% um, free. Our families that work, that receive pregnancy counseling, our moms and our dads that receive that pregnancy counseling, it's 100% provided to them for free. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, this past year in 2018, we worked with 102 moms and walked beside them as they were facing the difficult pregnancy that they, they didn't know what to do with. They, didn't, they weren't sure of how to, how to make the next steps and how to put their foot forward and one foot in front of the other. So we really have amazing counselors that walk beside our moms and really walk them through those tough choices and let them know that we're here as a support. And, and we're just so happy to say that, that those moms have either made parenting plans or made adoption plans. How many families in Central Florida are seeking to adopt and yet may have trouble finding a child. Is that is that a accurate statement? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, just in our in our local branch, we have about twenty three families that are seeking adoption currently. And and you find I, I think it's difficult. I think a lot of individuals look at adoption, they think they hear the long the long numbers. Oh, you wait a year, oh you might wait two years. And we really don't have we, we can't tell you when that'll happen because as we work with moms we don't know if they're going to make an adoption plan or if they're going to make a parenting plan. And we really want to provide that counseling to moms to provide that, that life-sustaining counseling, but at the same time letting the moms know that they have a choice. So out of those 25 individuals that we might have waiting, we can't guarantee how long they're going to wait. And, I, and that's just a Bethany. So there's an abundance of other families in different places that are waiting as well um, for to adopt and Bethany Christian Services, we're a domestic infant adoption, so we work with children that are immediately born and place those those children into adoptive homes, whereas there's other providers, such as the local lead agencies or the case management organizations, that work with kiddos that are in foster care, and they adopt through foster care. So it's just a little bit of a different process, and we we both have listings and, and, and times that families are waiting while they're, and while we're just waiting with them. Laurie Stern is our guest, executive director of Bethany Christian Services in Central Florida. Beth, uh, Laurie, how did you get into this work? <laughs> oh, it's a long story, Pat. I might take up the entire time to tell you the truth. Um, I, I have been in social services for 18 years, and I knew, goodness, in high school that I really wanted to provide love for families. I knew immediately when I was in 11th grade that this was this was my passion. This is what I was going to do. God placed this on my heart to help others. And I started with a mentoring program actually in Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania. So I started with a mentoring program up there of mentoring at-risk youth. And when I moved to Florida 15 years ago, I was connected through the Department of Children and Families with a local case management organization. And I was a young 22-year-old that goodness, I look back and I think of all the, the things that I messed up, but gosh, was it amazing. And, and God definitely knew what he was doing as he, he placed me in those positions. Um, I just, I've always had a heart for people. I've always had a heart for families. And that that's how I ended up at Bethany. So I, I worked in case management for nine years. I went to the Department of Juvenile Justice for six years. And I missed the foster care adoption. I, I just, my heart was telling me, more importantly, the Lord was telling me it's time to return. And Bethany, the, the God story about me ending up at Bethany Christian Services was that a decade ago, I was actually considering to be one of the adoptive families of Bethany. My husband and I have struggled with infertility. Uh, we were told by doctors that we would never have our own children. So we we were looking at, okay, that's, that's into a different if, if we can't have our own children, let's love another child. So we connected with Bethany Christian Services again a decade ago. And here I am 10 months into Bethany Christian Services as the executive director. And, and I know that was 100% God telling me that this is where you're meant to be. Um, the blessing in that story is my husband and I were blessed with children in a different manner, uh, not through adoption. 
but it definitely it opened my eyes to who Bethany was, and I've always followed them for the past decade, even though I've only been here for 10 months. I have followed Bethany for a decade of watching the amazing Christ-centered services that they provide. Explain to us where faith fits in with what Bethany does. Well, we are definitely a Matthew 25 organization that we know that we are meant to help the most vulnerable. We recognize that we are standing in the gap, that we are helping individuals that are overlooked and ignored. And that's really where we're standing. We know that love and providing Christ-centered focus, knowing that the church, raising the church up and supporting the church to really meet the needs of youth is really what we want to do across all of our programs. Our adoptive families, we request that they have a church reference. We request that they're active members of church. Our faith families that we work with, that is a diversion services for foster care. We request that the same expectations that we we work alongside a lot of local churches to really connect with our mission and providing providing the love of the Lord to our, our children as they're in the families as well. Even our refugee services, um, even though it's a refugee services, we, we want to connect our children with individuals that are going to teach them about the Lord as they're, they're going through everything as well. How many people, how big is your staff? How many people are working with you? So across Florida, so Bethany Christian Services is Central Florida, South, and North Florida. Uh, so we're across the entire state. We provide adoption services across the entire state and pregnancy support services. We have approximately 32 staff members that we work with. Um, the bulk of those individuals are really spread across the state, but we do have a local program in Orlando that provides transitional foster care. So foster care for kiddos that are unaccompanied coming to the border. We provide that service, and we have approximately 10 staff members in that program. And then the rest of our staff are either pregnancy counselors, adoption specialists, or safe families coordinators as well. And then we also have a trafficking program. So we have one staff member that works with victims, well, survivors of trafficking. Laurie, uh, what kind of a leader are you? And, 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 and how are you growing as a leader? It's funny, Pat, because when I started at Bethany, um, it, it was a struggle for me when I came here because as much as I knew God was calling me to this position, I wanted to make sure that I was the perfect fit. And I will tell you that my leadership here has grown spiritually. Being at Bethany Christian Services, meeting families, walking along families, walking along mothers that are making adoption plans or parenting plans, walking along adoptive families that are considering the the hard work that is that happens in adoption, it's definitely it's definitely created a sense of my, my spiritual commitment is is higher than it's ever been. And I and I, I thank Bethany for that because not only am I growing, it's hard to find an organization that you can grow professionally, personally, and spiritually. And that's what you find at Bethany, which is really unheard of. And I think I'm the type of leader that I, I love people, not just the, the kiddos that we work with or the families that we work with, but the staff that work hard every single day, the, the work that they do, I can't imagine. Uh, the it, It's not just hard work. It's heart work. It, 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 it makes your heart grow, and it makes your heart hurt, and that's what I see with the staff every day, and I, I really just wanted to put them in my arms and just give them hugs because I, I know how hard it is. Tell me about the leadership that you see elsewhere in your organization and how you develop leaders for the future. Right. So the leadership of Bethany, again, I think that it's just so spirit-filled. You, you know that you're doing the work of Christ when you can enter into a room and your leaders pray with you and your leaders complete devotions with you and you start your staff meetings with prayer. Mm. And, and that's really what we give to our staff as well. When we're developing our leaders and our staff, we're really providing the same love, dedication, and devotion to our staff um, to, to help love them wholly, not just as, as an employee, but as a person. And, and I think that that's something that's kind of missed sometimes in social services is that it's such hard work that sometimes we forget the people that are doing the work. And that's something I don't see at Bethany. I think that the forefront, of course, the families are the forefront, 
but the staff are equal and, and the commitment that leadership provides to them. When we come back, and we'll be back in about a minute, uh, I want you to uh, talk to those families who are listening uh, who have an interest in perhaps adding a child or two to their family and, and, and what you tell them, what advice you give them, what, uh, what counsel you give them. In the, mean t- in the meantime, folks, <clears throat> just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather like this every weekend, and we're always so pleased uh, when you take the time to, to join us. And uh, another reminder, uh, this is really interesting news. This is the new AM 990. Not the old one. It's the new one. And, uh, and it's also FM 101.5, the word. Big doings here. And uh, we're so glad that you're part of it. More with Laurie Stern the executive director of Bethany Christian Services in Central Florida, right after these messages. My guest is uh, Laurie Stern. She is the executive director of Bethany Christian Services in Central Florida. So, Laurie, a family is interested. They want to add to their family. They pick up the phone and they call Bethany Christian Services, and they talk to somebody on the other end, and then what happens? Sure, Pat. So the first step is to, most likely the family would want to go to our website. Our website is www.bethany.org, and learn a little bit more about what the adoption process looks like with Bethany. If a family does call us, we would walk them through exactly what the steps are. At Bethany, we require that our families complete an orientation to learn more. We want to make sure that our families are equipped with knowledge because that really empowers them to know what the next steps are. After an orientation, we have Bethany is one of the few organizations that requires our adoptive families to go through training. And the reason that we really want our families to go through training is because we want them to identify with what the adoption process really looks like. I, I think that our families, when families think about adoption, the biggest thing to know with Bethany Christian Services is that the majority of our adoptions are open adoptions. And what does that mean? It means that moms that are, are choosing that difficult decision to make an adoption plan is really, they're maintaining a relationship. They're maintaining a relationship with that child. They're maintaining a relationship with that family. And, and it's really understanding what that looks like and how to, to develop that later in the child's life as well. Um, I think that's the biggest question that we, we get when we work with families that are looking to adopt is, well, what does openness mean and why do we do openness? And we do openness because it's what's best for a child. We are finding families for children. We are not putting, we are not finding children for families. Um, we are very persistent in the fact that that's what we're doing. Our first and foremost responsibility is to the children. So that's something we really walk alongside the adoptive families to let them know that, yes, you, you're you doing an amazing, the, the work that you're doing and, and wanting to adopt is an amazing, what an amazing heart you have. But at the same time, it's hard and, and it gets a little sticky. And how do we work through that? We also complete a home study. The family has to be very open to letting us in their private business. We're coming out to their home two to three times to interview the family. We're requesting background checks. We're making sure that their home is safe. We're asking them really intimate questions. That gets a little uncomfortable. So it's important for families to understand that those questions are going to be asked of you. Because, again, we're seeking families for children. And and it's important for us to know that the home that children are being placed into is a forever home. Tell me about abortion these days. Do you see it declining? Uh, is that part of your ministry? No, our ministry is pro-life. Um, the, the ministry that we provide to, to mothers that are facing those unplanned pregnancy is really to walk along beside them to let them know that there are other, there are other options. Abortion is something that we may talk about because what, what you find from other organizations is perhaps they don't talk about the long-term effects of abortion. <coughs> I, I think a lot of young moms believe that abortion is something that you do and you forget about. Well, that's not true. 
you're, it's something that you're living with the rest of your life. And we really walk through those. We really walk through that with our moms to help them understand that. It is not, that's not part of our ministry at Bethany. We are 100% committed to helping our mothers make pro-life decisions and, and really those life-affirming options for our moms. But in the event that a mother does want to talk about that, that is something that we're going to provide the counseling to talk about as well. Uh, I, I didn't phrase my question quite right. Obviously, you're, you're, you're pro-life. My, my, what I'm trying to find out, you find more and more young women are, are abandoning the idea of abortion and uh, going ahead and delivering their children. Yes. Yes, and we do see that. I think that the numbers for abortion and adoption, I, I think that the adoption numbers, unfortunately, what you see the trend, adoption is actually declining. It's something that's a declining number. Um for various reasons. I think that, that individuals are having children later in life. The birth rate is, is lower than it's ever been. So there's different reasons for that. But in regards to abortion, yes, we see that number declining as well. And we're so thankful to see that continue to decline. And we, we really find that moms are making those parenting decisions more than the other decisions as well. Laurie, I once heard that for every abortion that takes place in this country, there's a family waiting <laughs> To adopt that baby. Uh, is that fairly accurate? Absolutely. And Pat, that's the reason why, pregnant, why pregnancy counseling is so important. Because imagine if those moms that are making that difficult decision to have an abortion, imagine if they were able to speak to a pregnancy counselor. Imagine if they were able to have the hope instilled in them to say, you can do this. Or let's talk through this. Let's really walk along beside you and talk about your decision and really make sure that you understand what this decision means. And I think that's why it's so important to have those pregnancy counselors. And that's why Bethany Christian Services is so important so we can get out there. And we, we do marketing at resource centers, at pregnancy resource centers, at different locations where women are going and seeking information. And it's just a matter of getting the right information, I think. And that's we, we need to do, all, all the organizations that are life-affirming need to get out there even more. We need more resources. We need more people. We need, we need more because women need to know that there are other options and to understand what those other options are. People who are listening and might say, I'd like to be a volunteer here, uh, what do you tell them? We love volunteers. We would absolutely love to have volunteers at our organization. We do require, of course, background checks. Um, but there's an abundance of different ways of being involved. I, I like to say it takes a village, but it's not just a village that can serve their hands. It might be someone that can connect us to a resource, or it might be someone that can connect us with donations. There's just so many different ways of giving and, and serving. And for those individuals that are interested in being volunteers, it's a simple process of calling us and, and asking questions. And our phone number is 407 877 4006. And again, just calling and asking how can they get involved. What was that number again? 407-877-4006. Laurie Stern is our guest, Executive Director of Bethany Christian Services in Central Florida. Laurie, how is your organization funded? Pat, a lot of our, our funding is, is donations. We have private donations. Uh, we have a huge fundraiser every year. We have an annual event, and that's where the bulk of our, our donations come from is our annual event. Our annual event is actually in a week and a half. It'll be on September 28th at the Abbey at 6 p.m., and we're really looking forward to sharing the amazing work and the amazing ministry that is Bethany Christian Service in Central Florida. We are very fortunate because we have an amazing keynote speaker, which is actually yourself, Pat Williams. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited. We we know that you will be an amazing keynote speaker with your your history and your experience, and we have some really brave moms and families that are coming and speaking and really speaking about the life that was poured into them through Bethany. How do people go? Do you... you uh, seek people to come and uh, enjoy that event, or is it open Absolutely. to the public? Yes, the event is an open event to the public that anyone's able to attend. We do request registration in advance. There's a website that you can go to if you go to www.bethany.org and go into Florida for events and meetings. 
you will be able to register directly in that. Um, you can also find the event on Facebook. If you search for Family Changes Everything, that's the title of our event, and you'll be able to find the event on Facebook as well. Laurie Stern has been our is our guest. Laurie, in conclusion, how would you summarize our discussion here on the radio? Oh, goodness. I think our, the ministry of Bethany is just it's an amazing ministry that is called to serve the overlooked. And we believe that family changes everything. And everyone at Bethany Christian Services, we're passionate advocates for families and youth. And to summarize the amazing work that we do, it's, it's a calling. And it's, it's recognizing that the families matter. And how can you wrap your arms around families to ensure that there's hope instilled in each and every child. Laurie, it's wonderful to talk to you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you on uh, September 28th. I am as well, Pat. I can't wait. I can't wait to meet you in person and, and hear your amazing testimony as well. Laurie Stern, Executive Director of Bethany Christian Services in Central Florida. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, Don Everts was with us from St. Louis, talking about his new book, The Reluctant Witness. And then we stayed local. Laurie Stern, Executive Director of Bethany Christian Services, was with us. I've got a new book that's just come out. It's called... Lead like Walt. It's about Walt Disney, and uh, it's all about Walt Disney's leadership ability. I think you'll enjoy it. We had a good time writing it, and uh, it's out now in bookstores in the uh, basically in the in the business and the leadership section of books bookstores. Amazon always a wonderful way to order books, and uh, Lead like Walt. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, we're back next weekend for more. For the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, you're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5 The Word in Orlando. Stay with us next week and have a great, great week ahead. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.